We'll open up to uh, Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. So um, to back up a bit of a few of the uh, introductory comments, I will be talking about the end. Um, so uh, it turns out, oh no, I'll, I'll go through that a bit later. It turns out, sorry, it turns out human beings love thinking about the end of the world. <laughs> it's not the end, end um, it's not new. Uh, throughout history, people have been wanting to know uh, when the end of the world is. Um, in fact, uh, Isaac Newton even tried to predict when the end of the world was. We, we know of Nostradamus and there's all so a plethora of other people that... Um, that we haven't even heard of, that want to know when the end of the world is. We have this, um, uh, I don't know what the right word is, um, like this destruction mentality. It's like everyone knows that the world's going to end. It's, um, and in a way, it's, it's like um, it can be seen as being pessimistic if you don't believe in God and the Bible. You know, while oh, the world's going to end. It's like, uh, you know, uh, when I was growing up, it's when the global warming thing was coming along. Uh, it's now changed tack. It's now called climate change. But back then, they were talking about the end of the world. The world's going to dry up and end of life and all this sort of thing. It's just something that people uh, seem to think about. And, uh, and we're human beings, so we think about that. And it turns out Jesus wants us to always think about it. Whether the end of the world's coming in our lifetime or later, it doesn't matter. You know, we always expect the Lord to come back. Um, when um, the apostles were walking around, they asked Jesus, will this be the end of the world? You know, that's 2,000 years ago. Uh, so it's not new. And, uh, and I believe the Lord's put that in people to wake us up. Okay? The Lord's put that thing in us, in human beings, to expect the end of the world to wake us up and think about life. Um, I mean, death itself, the end of our life here on earth, we don't know when that's going to happen. We try to predict things of the future. We try to understand um, what will be happening in the future, but we don't um, because we know that um, we will die. That's the end of our life. And so I suppose you could say, like, the title of this talk is The End, and the end could be when Jesus returns or the end could be when we die. Um, these are f facts of life and, uh, and I truly believe the Lord's put it in all of us so that uh, we have our eyes open always expecting him to come back like a thief in the night. So uh, let's start in Luke chapter 21 and uh, we'll read uh, verse 25. So Luke chapter 21 and verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when I read that, I don't see that as being Jesus Christ coming back sneakily. I'll just sneak in. So nobody really knows. It says, power and great glory. Uh, verse 28. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, bend your neck, and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And he spake to them a parable, saying, Behold, 
the fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. That's a big thing, the cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare it shall come upon all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So very similar uh, wording in Matthew chapter 24. But I chose this passage because it says in verse 26, men's hearts failing them for fear. Now, not long after I was baptised and received the Holy Spirit uh, here at the Revival Fellowship, I was still hanging out with a few friends uh, that I had, and it's true, I did have friends, um, <laughs> that, I was, that I had beforehand. And I clearly remember it was when SARS came was a problem, and that didn't even really impact us here in Australia. It was just the news, really. It was over there. So I am... Um, and the reason I... But I now have kind of lost touch of this sort of thing. But I rem- clearly remember a girl walking around the room. Uh, she would have been uh, in a... Like she would have been about 20. And her words were, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out about this SARS thing. Her heart was failing her for fear. And, uh, and it was really sad to see. Um, and that's what happens. People, it's like this unknown. Like you can't see it. It's like, where is it? And so it just, you jump to these conclusions like, my goodness, there's fear. And, uh, and that's the thing, these conspiracy theories, that's all bound up in fear. Complete mistrust. And uh, there's a fear that people have. And, um, and so, but the Lord hasn't called us for that. You know, the Lord wants us to be comfortable in his ways, knowing that he's got all things in hand. Now, I carried on and he, he gave this parable about the fig tree. Now, this parable is about, and it's the reason I'm, it is, it says there that, um, it says, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. And then in 31 and 32 it says, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. So he's talking to people, he's here on earth, it's before he died, it's before he rose again, it's before the Holy Spirit was poured out, it's before the kingdom of God uh, was, was made available to people. So he's talking to the people he's standing like, in front of and he's saying, look, you people will be alive uh, when the kingdom of God uh, will be amongst people and all will be fulfilled. So the, he's talking to those people alive back then. And he say, he's saying, look, look at the fig tree. You know that uh, when it shoots forth, uh, I've got my own little fig tree. It's about that big. And I know it won't grow that big, so it's right next to the house. And uh, it, it's bringing forth, you know, summer is nigh. It's blossoming. You know there's something coming up. So what Jesus is saying here is he's walking on the earth and he's preaching about the kingdom of God, teaching people about the kingdom of God. And if people open their eyes and can see, yeah, right, Jesus, the fig tree is blossoming. This is Jesus Christ. He's preaching about himself dying and rising from the dead. So the fig tree is blossoming. 
and know that, hey, look, you follow his word. So he's talking about his time 2,000 years ago. We know today that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're part of the kingdom of God now. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, We can read about the preaching of uh, Jesus Christ and uh, the parables and so forth about all that. But, um, but in our lives, it goes from uh, verse 34 onwards, it says, take heed to yourselves, you know, lest your hearts be overcharged, you know, like uh, your um, heart fails for fear. You get distracted with the uh, cares of this life, you know, drunkenness, surfeiting, you know, greed and all those things. And this day come unawares, the return of Jesus Christ. And so uh, these are important things. It's written in the word. It's repeated in the word for us to read and learn and understand uh, about what's going on. First, Second Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1. Recently I caught up with a, a couple, a young couple that uh, we witnessed to on one of our outreaches. And yeah, after that discussion, as Ali knows, I was churning over a few of the topics. And uh, this is a, a passage that I read to them. And uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance. When it says that, remember this. You know, don't forget it. Uh, God knows we are human beings. We forget things. We get distracted. It's the way we are. We all live in a body with these shortcomings and saying, look, please remember this, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us, remember that, he saved us, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And that's the wonderful thing as well. We have a purpose to our life. God has called us according to his purpose. We're not flapping about in the wind. We have a purpose. But yes, the well-known verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. So we read before that people's hearts will fail them with with fear, and uh, we all uh, ha- are afraid of things. It's natural, um, but so we need to remember that when we're afraid, that doesn't come from God. It comes from somewhere else. And I remember a few years ago, I can't even remember what I was afraid of, but I was petrified of something. I was staying up all night, and I was just so afraid. And then, it, and then finally, I thought of that. I thought, well, this fear doesn't come from God, you know, and I could kind of distance myself from that fear, put it in a little package there and say, that is not of God. It's coming from somewhere else, whether it be influences around me or even my own mind. So package it aside and then think, no, wait a minute. God's given us uh, power, love and of a sound mind. And so uh, if we can somehow look up, step aside and realise this fear is not of God and I am in the kingdom of God and so it doesn't belong with me. So we're in these times which are uncertain. You know, we have no idea when uh, the borders are going to shut. We have no idea when we're going to have to cancel meetings. We have no idea when we have to uh, uh, wear masks and so forth. There is uncertainty floating in the background. Okay, but we 
have been asked not to let that lead to fear and knowing that that is not from God. He's given us power, love and a sound mind. Over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 15. So that's First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, there'll be a racket, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Okay, that's the footnote. Comfort one another with these words. Okay? Of course, we don't know how it's going to happen. We just know that there will be a lot of noise. There'll be a voice of an archangel. There'll be a shout. There'll be a trumpet. All these things. And then somehow we'll see the dead raised before us. And then we which are alive uh, will uh, be caught up together. So it'll be quite a phenomenal day uh, with all those things. And to comfort one another that we're all a part of this, uh, whether we uh, die before the Lord comes back or whether we remain alive. And this passage here, is used by people that talk about the rapture, okay? Um, now, we know the rapture's not in the Bible. Uh, in fact, um, it's got a very long history. It's not a new thing. Uh, there was a Jesuit priest called Francisco Ribera in the uh, 16th century who um, was talking about it. So it may have even been around before then. So it's been around for about 400 years, this rapture idea, and it waxes and wanes. Uh, Modern-day Pentecost are talking about it a lot. Um, and yet, even since uh, Francisco Ribera, there have been many failed predictions of the coming of uh, Jesus Christ and the rapture. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, uh, I received a phone call a couple of weeks ago from a bloke in Fremantle, and he opened up the, uh, the conversation with, do you believe... I've got to get this right. <laughs> Do you believe the tribulation was before the rapture or after the rapture? And I'm thinking, I wouldn't have a clue. Um, <laughs> like, but anyway, it was a great opportunity to explain um, what the Bible says and the fact that the rapture is a man-made idea. And the thing is, uh, like before I left home, uh, just a teenager, I heard about the idea of rapture and people talking about it, and they actually use a lot of scriptures. And the scriptures give it authority, um, but it's kind of twisted around to suit themselves. The rapture is not nothing at all in the Bible. Um, and when people talk about the rapture, it's like, it, it, um, it's like feeding this fear. Like, uh, it's feeding, oh, the end of the world's coming and you might miss out. Oh, I'm afraid. You know, I'm afraid. Oh, I might look around and there's my friend disappeared or I'll be in an aeroplane and one of the pilots disappears. All these things, they're actually what they say. And, uh, but th- that is all about fear, the feeding fear. And, uh, and, and it's not the way God operates. Um, 
Also, I received another phone call, um, the inoculation against COVID. There's the idea that that is the mark of the beast. I'm not sure if other people have heard this. It was new to me. Um, There's been, throughout history, ever since Jesus died, or sorry, ever since um, Revelation was written, there have been people trying to find out what the mark of the beast is. When I was a child, it was... um, they, they put these, um, these chips under the hand and on the forehead so that you could buy things. And I looked into that and, uh, yeah, it seemed fairly true. But these are things of the flesh. It's not spiritual, okay? We are spiritual creatures. Um, if you have a microchip under your hand, it doesn't matter. That dies with you. It goes to the ground. What's important to us is our spiritual well-being, that what we do with our hands and what we think with our brain. They are the marks, because it refers to the mark of, um, of, of the kingdom of God or the mark of Jesus Christ on the forehead and on the hands also. But it's what we do and what we think. It's a spiritual thing. And, uh, and we can push away this fear and not worry about these things uh, and continue to, to uh, look to him. And as it says in verse 18, wherefore comfort one another with these words. We're a people who can give comfort and answers, nurturing, all these positive things that everyone wants in their life. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. So that's Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. And it says here, after Jesus was risen from the dead, after the Holy Ghost raised him from the dead. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you've heard of me. For John truly baptised with water, but ye shall be baptised with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they into Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. So there's a little hint there. He'll come back in the same way it's described here. And, um, and in verse 7 it said, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. So the coming of Jesus Christ is up to him. It's not for us to worry about. It's just for us to continue to look to him. Okay, not to work out when Jesus is coming. Yeah, we look around and we see things happening. Oh, yeah, Jesus may come back soon. 
But hey, I've often thought if we were living in amongst the Inquisition, imagine the people in the Inquisitions, plural. They must have been thinking, whoa, this evil, the Lord must be coming out soon. And uh, so the Lord wants us to always think that, to always think that, yeah, Jesus is coming back. But it's not up to us. We're not going to change God's mind. We're not going to say, hey, God, I reckon next year you should come back. You know, it's up to him. And so we trust him to know when he'll send his son back and gather us all up. Uh, And what a joyful time that will be. In the meantime, um, it says, um, like it says in verse 11, it goes, why? Why, uh, ye men of Galilee, you stand gazing up in heaven? Why are you kind of thinking about all this stuff? Just go about your business. Go about your business on earth, doing the work of the Lord, preaching the gospel, bringing more people to the kingdom of God. Go about that business, but always expecting him to return, but not trying to work out when it's going to happen. Then you'll be on the list again. There's another failed prediction of the coming of Jesus. I actually knew Jesus Christ was coming back last year. It was 2020. You get your vision. It's when Jesus came. It made sense to me. But turns out it didn't happen. Another failed prediction. Um, but it happened. The people are, are like that. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. It's all about today, encouraging people to keep walking on, keep following the ways of the Lord, comforting, all these things, peace, Ecclesiastes chapter 1 is an important passage that we often forget, thinking that we are unique. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 9. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It hath been already of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come, which those that shall come after. In other words, people come and go, you know, we live, we die, uh, and these things, we forget things, we think we're unique times, but it says here that there's, there's nothing new under the sun. We're not that super special you know, we're, we're human beings. We have a predicted lifespan of uh, 70 years, if by strength, uh, 80. That's our predicted lifespan. It's still the case. It's still the case. No matter about all the medical treatments and all that sort of thing, it's still the same. Thousands of years later, there's nothing new under the sun. We are just people uh, at the end of the day. But what's wonderful, before the living God, we are very special people. We have the Holy Spirit in us. In the flesh, we have no confidence, but in the spirit, we have all the confidence. And I praise the Lord for that, that uh, God went to so much trouble by sending his own son to live here on earth, to die. He raised him from the dead, poured out the Holy Spirit because the gateway was opened for that to happen, that we can understand what it's like to be part of the kingdom of God. And that's a wonderful thing. That's where our confidence remains. And that's the power and love and of a sound mind. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And verse 4. 
Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Repeated it. He repeated it. said, please rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. That's part of our testimony. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. If you wanted to know the formula for the peace of God that passes all understanding, that keeps our hearts and minds, the formula for that is to rejoice always. Rejoice always, uh, be uh, anxious for nothing, praying, supplication, thanksgiving, you know, thanking Lord. Thank you so much for what you've done. Um, look, don't get me wrong, I get it hard, I find it difficult too. There's so many things that I want to pray to the Lord about and it's, uh, it's on my mind and I, go, I get on my knees to pray in the spirit and bang, I just want to pray, God this, God that, God this. But, and you have to step back from that and, no, wait a minute, the Lord says, with all thanksgiving, rejoice always. Push that aside for a moment. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Praise your name that I'm filled with the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I know what it means when uh, the Bible refers to speaking in tongues. Thank you so much for sending your own son. Thank you for the assembly we have. We can experience the kingdom of God here on earth. And then after that, you're in a beautiful frame of mind and you start praying for your own needs, that supplication to him and, uh, and that encouragement here. And if you do that formula, the peace of God will pass all understanding. You'll have that peace. Everybody wants peace. That's the opposite to fear, is peace that passes all understanding and uh, have that, uh, that knowledge of uh, what's going on. And then, like verse 5, let your moderation be known. You know, we're not extreme in all our ideas and grabbing hold of this rapture idea and the mark of the beast and be, taking part in all these emails I get from that person that I don't know and, uh, and all these things. Let our moderation be known. That's part of our testimony. We lead our lives just quietly going about our ways. We are not Jesus Christ, right? Now, the reason I say that, Jesus Christ came here. He had three and a half years. He had to wallop everyone across the forehead with, the, with his word, preaching about the gospel because he knew he was going to die. We've got our lifetime here. We've got time. We've got time where we can pick away slowly. People at work, witness to people. We've got time to uh, gently tell people about the kingdom of God and uh, be moderate in things, not extreme in things. You know, it's a wonderful testimony and that calm that we can have. Okay, Matthew chapter 6. This is the uh, pre-anti-penultimate scripture. Matthew chapter 6. And it's a wonderful passage. It's one of my favourite passages in the Bible is uh, Matthew chapter 6 from verse 24. But we won't read it all. Um, just wonderful uh, reassurance of putting things into perspective. But Ma- Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, it's hard to do. <laughs> I still worry about tomorrow. 
It's what's natural. It's a natural thing for us to do. But the Lord's trying to encourage us to not worry about tomorrow, not be stressed about it, not be uh, concerned about what's going to happen in the world next. You know, and, uh, and we're in a position where we can tell others and say, look, you don't need to worry about that. You don't need to worry about conspiracy theories. You don't need to worry about when the world's going to end. You don't need to worry about uh, climate change, uh, global warming. Look, don't get me wrong. I don't like litter. I love trees. They're nice. They love shade, the birds, all that stuff. I love nature. So we don't go to destroy these things, but we go about our life not worrying about it, about what's happening tomorrow. Uh, we uh, have been called to peace and comfort. Second uh, Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three. Uh, oh, there it is. Second Peter chapter three and verse eight. Second Peter chapter three and verse eight. But, beloved, be not ignorant, okay, of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, meaning that we don't know when it will happen, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, excuse me, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Okay, like so what way should we conduct ourselves knowing that? looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent, that's an active word, be diligent, press in, that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, an account that long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, were being pre-warned, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So grow. Grow in grace, knowing we've been saved by grace. It's nothing more we can do to earn salvation. You know, we've got that. And the knowledge. See, that's what I like. Like grace, you know, some people, like we can have a nice feeling 
aspect that, yeah, it's, it, I, I really feel close to God or I feel close to Je- however you might articulate it. There's a feeling with it. But what the Lord's encouraging as well is like make it a knowledge, a cold, hard, brain-operated knowledge that we are close to God. We know it, okay? We know we are right before God through grace. And um, wonderful reassurance also in Acts chapter 18, uh, that's when Apollos, he had this knowledge and he actually encouraged the Jews who only knew about grace, who only knew about feelings and all these things, but he encouraged them with a knowledge and an understanding of uh, what it's like uh, to be right before the Lord. Um, And... It says in verse 16, halfway through, it says, in which are some things hard to be understood. The Bible was spiritually inspired. So, of course, there's stuff in there we don't get because we've got a carnal mind. And so we don't rest and be concerned and take things out of context, but we, we understand that it's all spiritually inspired and that we can learn with time. Okay, the, the uh, carnal mind is enmity with God. Okay, and so there's a training required, a time frame that's required to learn and understand and develop. And sometimes you might just be sitting back in the hall like this and you might be thinking, the mind might wander off and you, the penny might drop on something and, uh, and you just make these links and it, you add more and more and you grow slowly and, uh, and an understanding of, of our place. Uh, before the living God and our place in this, uh, on this earth um, to be encouraged uh, wherein dwelleth righteousness, you know, those things that are right. Okay, Hebrews chapter 10, the penultimate scripture. Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 35. Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 35, we have, uh, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Okay? So don't cast away your confidence. It may waver a little bit, but grab hold of it again, because there is great reward. For you have need of patience. Okay? I think most people lack patience. We want it now. Okay, it's the way we are. But the Lord's saying, no, contrary to that, spiritually, you need patience. That after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Uh, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. So that's the patience we need, the overcoming here. We know Jesus will return. We don't know when, but he will come back. And so we lead our lives day by day by day, um, uh, not casting away our confidence in the face of what uh, others may say around us, but we know it is true because the Bible says so. And we don't cast it away or question it, but we carry on plodding along in patience, knowing that it will happen, that we will be raised up to meet the Lord in the air. And when that happens, Praise the Lord. We look back and think, great, I'm so glad I overcome all those little obstacles along the way. I'm so glad I didn't just give up. You know, it was worth it. It was all well worth it. So finish up in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
Second Timothy chapter two. Yeah. Second Timothy chapter two and verse fourteen. Second Timothy chapter two and verse fourteen. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit. Don't get all tangled up in these theories that are contrary to what's in the Bible, but to the subverting of the hearers. And this verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And that verse 15, study, go to the effort, plough through the pages, ask questions. You know, don't be dismayed if you read two or three verses and you fall asleep. Don't be dismayed. Next day, do it again. Keep doing it. Keep plodding through it. Study, ask questions, inquire like a workman so that then we're not ashamed. We're not ashamed of where we stand before the living God. We're not ashamed when other people bring up things that are contrary to the word of God. And then what's important from that, as it finishes up in verse 15, we will be in a position to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. Right? We're confronted with something and we'll know what scripture to pull. Because guaranteed, not all scriptures are appropriate to all times. Some are completely irrelevant. Okay, even things that are going in our lives, some scriptures are not comforting at all when it's quoted to you. It's not what you want to hear. So we're in a position where we understand the, the Bible and we're workmen. We churn through it and we know how to apply the right scripture at the right time and how to marry it all together to get the bigger picture. And that gives us confidence because this is experience and we draw on it and we get this picture in our mind, understand, articulate, see results, and then we can stand with all confidence and peace before the living God, which is what we all want.